to Fidget, a BFRB podcast. Hey everyone, Jason here. My guest this episode is Jen Patterson. She created Origami Story Club, a club that teaches kids with BFRB's origami online. And just saying that, it doesn't properly explain the amount of joy and warmth Jen brings to the club. I've had the honor of being a part of a few, and they are an absolute delight. One of my favorite things Jen has taught me is that she has yet to meet someone with a BFRB who is a jerk. We are diving right into the action today. Hope you enjoy. I love to hear in your words what you mean by like growing your confidence. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a licensed professional counselor and I've done, I've done lots of clinical work. Um, I do crisis work, disaster mental health. I worked in community mental health. So I had a caseload for a while, but I never moved out into private practice. Mm. And so a lot of people have that, you know, that street cred, right? That they did (laughs) private practice. And I I feel strong in my skills and I haven't really wanted to have a private practice. Okay. But there is a sense of like the real counselors have a private practice. And so I I know that's not, you know, that's not my strong belief, but there's a part of me that still kind of wonders, could I do it? You know, is that... But I don't really want to. <laughs> so, okay. It would it would really limit me. Like right now, my clubs, I can have kids. Actually, this week, a girl mm. um, from Kenya. Wow. Um, her family is actually from from the U.S. But um, but she was in Kenya, and another girl was in Washington State. And at the end of the club, I said, you know, have a great day to one of the girls, and then sweet dreams to the other girl. If I was doing private practice, I would only be able to work with people in Oregon and Washington mm. and it would need, it would just be different work. So, right. so definitely, um, I'm really glad, you know, that I can be in this role as more of a coach and peer support. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, you said building your street cred in terms of like, yeah. so you, 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 okay. So through the consult group, you're chatting with other people in private practice. Yeah. And, and like the energy just feels different. Is it because it's like individual clients versus like state funded or is that what it is? Um, oh, that's a great question. Well, I guess as far as BFRBs, I never in clinical work, that wasn't ever anything that I focused on. Mm. And so, so in the BFRB world, the, my clubs are, that's what I do. You know, that's what I bring to it. But, you know, I'm also part of that, uh, the BFRB Moms group. Mm. I'm a co-facilitator there. And that's, Mm -hmm. um, again, that's more peer support. But what's, I think you've talked about this, Jason, how like when you first meet people in their journey, their needs are really different from people who have already had a lot of conversations with others who have Mm. a BFRB and they've already kind of gotten over that initial hurdle of actually talking about it with other people Mm. and then just in my own journey you know I feel like I'm at a place that I found a lot of peace and like I'm not I don't feel ashamed at all like well I can't say it all (laughs) (laughs) you know the shame is like really low on my list of challenges whereas at first that was so big right yeah when like when did your BFRB journey like start start (sighs) I, gosh, um, I'm thinking like 
I found uh, Annette Pasternak, her mm-hmm. website, mm. the Stop Skin Picking Coach. And I just yeah. like everything about how she was communicating things I really liked because she she's really practical. Mm. And um, but also she has a great sense of humor. Mm. And so I connected with her um, with her work really quickly. Um, I liked I feel like, you know, acceptance is so huge in healing and just moving along. Mm. And then she pairs that with these great, like really specific tools. And that I like that a lot. I feel like that mm. that just makes sense for me, you know, that mm. I need to finding acceptance is really important and not not going for the I will stop picking for right, you know, forever and always to more of like, oh, this is how I'm wired and but that's not the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> there are things that I can do that help. And the other part for me that's huge is when I find ways to not engage, uh-huh. I feel so much better about myself and more confident. Mm. And that, I guess that's my street cred, especially with the kids I'm working with. Right. Like I'm not there to say I've, mm. I'm done picking or I never struggle with this, mm. but I'm also there to model I guess having that be, who said this? Like one of the least interesting things about me. Yes, totally. And I, I really like that because I think it gets so big in my head in the past. And I I feel like hearing others, it gets to be just like such a huge thing about how I'm relating to myself or how I see myself in the world. Mm -hmm. And then over time, I feel like honestly talking about it a lot, it starts to get kind of boring. Yes. I never thought I would tire of talking to people about it because I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't have the people to talk to. And then the more I talk about it, it's like, all right, like what else is happening? Mm, Yeah. Um, I'm in this weird spot now where it's like, I'm bored talking about it, but I'm also bored talking to people who don't have one. (laughs) 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 Like, it's like, you know, not a hard and fast rule, but I find that <laughs> the people who like maybe don't have a BFRB or like, like when I share about my BFRB and they don't themselves like, oh, I also struggle with mental health, blah, 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 blah. And they like, yeah. you know, we kind of exchange our mental health stories. Uh-huh. If that doesn't happen, I'm like, I don't know, like, what what do I talk to you about? Like, this is just, like, the only thing I'm interested in about. But at the same time, you know, like you said, the people who are at the, maybe at the beginning of their VFRB journey, and they're just still in the, like, oh, my God, what about this, what about this, what about this? And I'm like, I'm over that. (laughs) It's like, did you ever think you'd land there? Yeah, it's so weird. Right? For both, for both sides, like I, I didn't ever want to tell like a normie that I had a BFRB, and for the other people who had a BFRB, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about. Um, I, I have this whole theory funny. too about mental health from my own experience, and that I think a lot about privilege, mm. and I think it's privilege to be in a place where you haven't struggled with mental health. Mm-hmm. That's privilege, right? It's, it's thinking like, I won't ever have that struggle. Or there's maybe people think, you know, there's something about me that I, that doesn't happen. But 
what I've seen with, with all sorts of people is you don't know when that's going to hit you and we yeah. don't choose it. You know, we don't choose it. And, and yet we still have to deal with it. And so privilege is like not thinking that might happen to you. And oh, I, yeah. And, and so I think that's part of how I relate more to people with BFRBs or have had those times where their mental health, you know, really takes away their sense of confidence because mm. there's a humility there. Right. Yeah. And there's, it might be like a different way of experiencing it, but you have that humility together of knowing mm. that it's not all under your control. You know, I, I heard someone tell me it's, it's not a matter of if, but when, and yeah. for the people who like, don't accept that or like, no, I don't have mental health issues. And I'm like, Okay. That's interesting. And, you know, part of me is like, I'm happy for them. Like, just enjoy that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is harder to relate, and and I definitely, you know, the so I wear lots of different hats, but I, I totally. talk about how like it's actually just one big goofy hat, right? I can't mm. like separate them out. But so I'm a clinician, but then I also work in peer support as mm. peer, and mm-hmm. and I think kind of what you're talking about is like there's just such a connection we all have because of our experience and yeah and there's some things that especially many other people with bfrbs there's just a bunch of stuff you don't really have to there's not the preamble right yeah. you just get to jump into this connection and mm. yeah it's different for everybody but there's mm. also a lot of it <laughs> like right now um since we're not video and we're an audio like i'm playing with this fuzzy chicken stuffed animal like mm. and usually it's under the camera but my camera right now like i know you can see it and <laughs> i'm not like explaining it to you because i know you get it right yes like you're not saying i notice you're holding a fuzzy chicken jen right. <laughs> <laughs> of course i'm holding a fuzzy chicken right like of yeah. course i'm doing something with my hands right now mm, mm, yeah totally. <laughs> so so jen you you would say the start of your journey was when you chatted with annette pasternak like that honestly kind of... just seeing her website and knowing right. that there was someone who that like just having even words for it yeah because i I think i'd heard about hair pulling but i didn't you know that wasn't my challenge but skin making definitely was and then just i didn't even get to chat with her for a long time it was just like reading her website was just such a good feeling yeah was it after like a particularly intense like picking period where you're like oh let me google this yeah yeah like do you remember the year i don't know i just want more details i wish i could i wish i could um you know i think it's honestly internet yeah. <laughs> it's like pre-internet and then internet like once it got to a good enough place where you could really search for things i think that's when i i found Annette, and then you know eventually the tlc and then I I got to, and then I was in graduate school and so then mm. I was doing more research and like learning more about some of the science behind just understanding more about what people had studied and then I got to go to a TLC conference. Mm. Actually before that I had worked with Annette. I went ahead, I took the dive and was like I'm going to I'm going to deal with this like this is it. I'm really going to focus on healing from this and so that was super powerful, that one-on-one coaching. And the biggest thing I came out of it with was just acceptance. Mm. And not like, oh, I'm just going to let myself pick as much as I want. But it was mm-hmm. more of like acceptance and compassion, right. which um, Annette might have been a little disappointed <laughs> I didn't come out with like the, the like ultimate success story. But for me, yeah. that was the ultimate success because then from that place, 
I have, I had a trust that I could move through right? and in a way that I never had. And, and then I think I also started to think more about why did I want to stop? Like, because I want to be a role model for my own children, because I wanted to be a role model for other children. Mm. There was a lot of that, that then really motivated me to, to try and figure out what it got me out of the, like in the mirror fixated space and more Mm -hmm. into the, like, Oh, I'm watching TV in my hands navigate. And I feel like, that to me is much more like I can, once I got out of the mirror, Mm. then I feel like it really shifted how I saw myself because then I, I didn't feel, I think I felt pretty disabled, right? Pretty frozen Mm -hmm. and stuck in it. And then it just turned into more like, okay, I'm doing my life and doing the things I want, but this is going to keep popping up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the focus to scanning and then the all-consuming yep. to, oh, it's an annoyance, inconvenience. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, it's great to um, conceptualize. Like, I don't think I've spent time to sort of think of that part of my journey. Um, thank you. <laughs> that was, that was and then going to the TLC conference just blew my mind. It was mm. so interesting. And I got to meet Annette in person, and it was so cute. She's like, you're a lot taller than I thought you were going to be in. I was like, you're a lot shorter than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> and we just got to hang out and like have a meal together. And it was very surreal. And wow. and then I just met so many people. And then I think that's where I saw all these kids. Yeah. Where I realized, oh my goodness, like there's all these kids. And that's who I love to be around. Mm. Um, and then that really, that made a big difference for me. Just starting to see. The other thing is seeing them all like running around together and <sighs> playing and having fun and it's like oh yeah this is this is so good yeah totally and so seeing all those kids was that sort of the, like what planted the seed for story club or absolutely yeah. yeah and then you know then fast forward a bit I, I I've been teaching origami to kids for a long time informally you know like an mm. after school club at my daughter's school and my neighbor kids and you know anytime I'm on an airplane or like any mm. you know I, I just I'm I'm always uh, folding. And so it's fun to share. And then, yeah, when the pandemic hit, I started doing online with my friends, kids um, that I had been meeting in person with. And then someone was like, you know, you should do this. You should do this as a business. And, and I really liked that idea, but I knew that I, I needed to have a population that was really special to me. Mm hmm. And so that's when it just hit, like, I want to do this for kids with BFRVs. And, and I'd gotten enough practice that, you know, using the camera and just seeing that we really could connect. Um, mm. Cause that was my fear. Like, can this, will it feel real, you know? Right. Uh, and how the heck can I help kids over the camera? Cause yeah. it's pretty hard, right. For them to figure stuff out. Mm. Uh, but now I actually just shared this with the club this weekend. I was, we had something that was really hard. And I just paused and said, you know, like I could be, we could just be playing with slime right now and chatting, but I, I picked origami because it's hard and because I know, I knew we could work together and cause I know you all are really capable, you know, mm. and I don't know if they could really hear that, but that's important to me. I, I think one of the things I feel like I'm seeing with parents is they can start to see their kids as fragile or Mm. somehow more fragile than other kids or less capable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a vicious cycle, right? Like then the kids start to like, 
And so that's really important to me is really, you know, and I, I actually, I feel like this just comes automatic to me, but really seeing them as strong and resilient mm. and, you know, that the thing they're struggling with happens to be something that people can see or that their parents notice the behavior, but, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody struggles with stuff. And so just to be able to get together and have fun, but the other piece is they meet each other and <laughs> it's, it's the first club I did, Jason. I was like yeah. the, the one that I gave to the TLC. So I did the first club and we just folded. I shared my story. You know, we, we did what, what we do in clubs, just have fun together. Mm. And the second time, same thing. And the, oh, the kids had so much fun. It felt really good. And the third time, this one girl who was still in my clubs, she mm. said, um, Jen, do you think we could talk about our BFRB? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, my own, like, I didn't want to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. In that first club, I just knew, okay, they all have BFRBs and they'll sort of know that somehow. And so my, I have that same, like, wanting to protect them. Mm. And then when she asked that, it was like, it was so obvious. Like, yes, yes, we need to do that. Yeah. And, you know, and so now that's how I start out. You know, first club is, hey, everyone here has a BFRB. We, I always say picking or pulling or finger biting or mm. cheek chewing. I lay them all out. Everyone here has that. And so when we do our check-in, if you want to share, what we do is share something else that's interesting about you. And then if you want to share about your BFRB, you can do that. Mm. And so, you know, I pass is always an option because I don't want kids to feel like I want them to come because it's fun. And my hope Mm. is that they, they see me sharing openly. They hear the other kids and whether they share or not, I think they're still building that capacity to eventually be able to talk about it. Okay. And they almost all do by the end, you know, by the the end of the six weeks. And I just provide like little opportunities. Um, If they want more, they'll take it. But Mm. try to keep it really, really small so that it sort of sprinkles through the clubs. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that so much. There were so many things as you were sharing that I was like (laughs) jotting down that I want to circle back to. You can Um, see I get so excited about it. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Totally. That's so amazing. Um, (laughs) So I guess like basic premise uh, yeah. origami story club you have like six five five to eight kids what was it yeah yeah five's my max okay. um i like to keep it really small so mm-hmm. every club we start out with a silly check-in mm. and then i share a story mm-hmm. and then i usually do um like i sometimes i'll call it like an infomercial where i'll do a little bit of um, first of all what does bfrb stand for mm-hmm. um that's one of the early ones um but yeah, just little infomercials and then and then we fold something together and we do lots of practicing of like what um what can you do if you get frustrated? So we talk mm. a lot about self-talk and self-cheerleading. Um the other thing is sometimes kids have this tendency, they you know, there's some there's this like perfectionist tendency, I think. Totally. And if they don't understand, they'll hide their hands under the table. Hmm. or they'll start picking or pulling right because they the origami isn't working out they're stressed out so i do a lot of like you know checking in like who needs some help right now who isn't getting this and Hmm. you know trying to really normalize how like normalizing like not getting something but also modeling how to ask for help and support Mm -hmm. um and i don't know the club that you got to be part of did we do the snowball yes the okay yep 
we just crunch up the piece of paper into a ball. And the whole idea is like, it's just a piece of paper, right? It's, mm. And it's so funny. A club that I just had, I had them hold the paper between their hands really, you know, kind of reverently. Mm. And then I said, crush it all up. And one girl just, she froze. She just had it between her hands and you could see her like, can I do that? Like, is that okay? And and she just sat and then finally she did it and the grin on her face and the, you know, the rebellion, right? Like, yeah. yes, you can do that. You can just crumple it up into a snowball. So, oh. um, yeah. Totally. I don't know if I answered your question, but that was <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're building these skills of, like, resilience, like, capable community you know you're kind of breaking this idea of like fragility so groups of five uh it's a series of six weeks yeah we do six week sessions and um I have a whole bunch of storybooks that have origami as part of the story Mm -hmm. but then since I've had so I have like about 18 books like that Mm -hmm. so I had it broken up you know and then I'm making the folds more complicated. But now I have kids that have been with me for, you know, gosh, at least two years. So we're, Mm. we're reading all sorts of different great stories and, and folding all sorts of different stuff. My favorite, my checking question um, a few weeks ago is what is your favorite thing to fold? And one girl who has been with me this whole time said, anything that's easy. (laughs) (laughs) And some kids are, they really are. They're just happy. I mean, it's all about being together. Totally. Um, although there are definitely some kids that really get really masterful. And that's my other goal is that kids have something that they can show to their parents, to their mm. peers, something that's not about their physical body, right? But something mm. that they can teach other people and that mm. they can build that confidence in themselves. So that that's also a really important part for me is that... Yeah they can start to, you know, start to feel, to build their own confidence back. Totally. I think these things just can really undercut our confidence. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I can so, so relate. Like, I feel like everything I would link back to like, well, I think I'm good at this, but I still like compulsively pick my skin every night. So I can't be that, you know, like it was always I, this constant asterisk next to my name. What? <laughs> I wonder, Jason, if that's like part. I mean, okay, everyone has limitations. Everyone mm. has something that, you know, that can be frustrating. But I wonder if that's a stronger aspect of having a BFRB is it's like because that asked, how do you say, asterisk? Asterisk. <laughs> so big, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody has one of those, right? Everybody has an mm. asterisk, but maybe, maybe the BFRB, like, like blows that up so that then other right. things lose their their quality or their they lose yeah. their power somehow. I don't know if this exactly responds to this topic, but as you were sharing, I was just reminded of this podcast I was listening to yesterday and it was really interesting. It was interviewing a, a mentalist. Do you know what a mentalist is? Mm-mm. They're like a magician, but they uh you know, they use the power of like suggestion to be like, think of a word between one and a hundred. And then they'll okay. be like, did, were you thinking about the number like 45? And they're like, I was, how did you know that? And they're like, well, it's magic. You know, that's sort of what a mentalist does. <laughs> okay. um, anyways, 
that's unnecessary background. Um, they were interviewing this <laughs> mentalist and this mentalist became so obsessed with kind of deception. And the story was how um, they grew up in communist Vietnam and they saw how deception was used by the government for like propaganda, but also kind of by their own family to like deceive authorities. So like deception was this tool and it could be wielded for like good or evil sort of because their, their own dad was like smuggling refugees out of the country and like was deceiving people. And, but he was like justified in doing it. It's like, no, like deception is good. And it's like saving people. Right. Um, so this person kind of found this like craft of like magic um, and like guiding your attention. Um, and they like started developing this and um, uh, started like interviewing like all these like people in kind of in this like, I don't know if it's like shady, <laughs> but like they would start interviewing like pickpockets, like some pickpockets become like magicians because you know, they'll be like on the street and they'll shake your hand and they'll steal your wedding ring. And they'll be like, oh, hey, look at this. And they're like, oh my God, that was magic. It was also being a pickpocket or whatever. <laughs> so, um, I kind of love as um, skin pickers or uh, the, <laughs> the idea of like, the, like just the fact that you said the word pickpocket. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could be a pickpocket. That was like how did you about myself then? At least I'm not a pickpocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here, here's here's why I bring all of this up. Um, yeah. I think this mentalist she interviewed a uh, like a someone who played like three card Monty. Do you know what three card Monty is? Yeah, yeah. It's like this like gambling kind of right, game, right. whatever, right? And so. Uh, at the end of the day, like people would, you know, you would bet like, oh, how much would you bet? This is the three of spades, right? And then people would bet. And then like, ultimately, it was like a deception game, right? Because they would like use some sleight of hand, like replace the card, and then they would like take your money. Um, but the pickpocket was like, or the three card Monty person was like, oh, no, I'm not like a bad person. The people willingly come they know the game's rigged and yet they still want to try to beat me. So they're the ones who put the money on the table thinking they can beat me. And so I'm not stealing from them. They are like playing my game. Whereas if you look at a pickpocket, they're just going in, putting their hands in other people's pockets and stealing their money. And for the mentalist, they took a step back and they're like, like, what's, you know, like, what's the difference? Like, aren't you just like, taking money that's not yours but in the pick in the three card monty person's mind they were like so there was like this like very stark line of like no 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 i go to bed each night telling myself this story and i feel good about myself and i'm a good person i'm not stealing people are coming to me and they want to play a game right but it's like this story that we tell ourselves that mm -hmm. we need to like that's what we tell ourselves to like you know, fall asleep each night. Um, and this is, this is that piece for me, Jason, is I think, I don't know how it starts, right? Whether it's the mm. kid or the parent, it doesn't really matter, but mm. the story starts being told I'm fragile. I'm, I need to be protected. I'm mm. not okay. Mm. Um, this is a huge problem. And so, so yeah, how do we come in 
and start shifting that up. You know, what yeah. does that look like? And you had asked me before the, our interview, you, we had talked about um, kind of what my foundation is mm. and that it's interesting because I took this training, it's called intentional peer support. Mm. And I don't know if this was just already how I roll in the world. And so it was like, yeah, this all makes sense or how much this influenced me. Um, mm. It's been about five years, but so one of the the principles is shifting from helping to learning together. Mm. And that's something that I want to do with the kids. It's also something I want the parents to do with their kids. Mm. Now, this idea, like the children don't need help, right? They're just people, but, but what if the families could learn together, right? Like what mm. if we take it off of this power struggle back and forth and sort of set the BFRB on the table and look at it like, what could we learn together about this? Yeah. And then the other one is um, same thing. It's from individual to relationship. So same thing. It's like the person with the BFRB is identified as the problem. Right. But what if we look at the relationship? What do we want to build in our relationship mm. together? Mm. Or what do we want our relationship with this to look like? Right. And then the last one is from fear, which, oh my gosh, our own fear about having a BFRB. But then as mm -hmm. a parent, I think having your kid, you know, I think it really scares parents. And so the, so shifting from fear to hope and possibility. Mm. So you know, we're focused, so focused on this problem. It's going to magnify as it does in us, right? As a person mm. with a BFRB. But then if that becomes the parent-child connection, yeah. you know, we're focused on this problem and it's mm. just fear and either the child thinking, I need help or the parent thinking, I need to help you. Mm -hmm. um, so really shifting that, like we're going to work on, we're going to learn together. Mm. We're going to build our relationship so that the BFRB doesn't. Someone told me one time, she felt like the BFRB had like two rooms in the house. <sighs> With a child like it had yeah. like more rooms than she did right. and then it became like this and i just that was such a i just that visual is so sticks with yeah. me so much yeah and then try i mean it makes sense that people feel afraid like i get that but i think mm -hmm. if there's a way to at least you know we're gonna feel that fear but then try to come back to hope mm -hmm. try to come back you know like what does it look like to keep turning back to hope mm. and and honestly, for me, just fun, finding fun together, right? Yes. Because at the end of the day, like, ah, that darn BFRB, it's going to, you know, it's likely going to persist, but at least we had some fun today, you know, yeah. at least there's something else we have, like, there's like something else to talk about. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Wow. Those are so cool. Okay. So in, in, thank you for bringing up intentional peer support. Cause I wanted to ask you about this. So through, through that training, you kind of learned how do we shift from helping to learning together how do we uh -huh. shift from individual person to relationships and how do uh -huh. we shift from fear to fun uh that's my version but fear to hope and possibility fear to hope gotcha and, if, <laughs> and if, fun you know, if we feel hope and possibility we're way more able to have fun mm -hmm. right like if we're in fear it's pretty hard to have any fun when you're full of fear yeah um, but yeah, if you can sh you know, just shift to a little, just even a sliver of hope, right? Right. Just a um, yeah. The other thing that's so funny to me is I can, like, I'll do, oh, I want to find this. I was doing these cheerleading statements with the kids, right? Like trying mm. to sort of, okay, here's these things. Like, I am lovable and you can do it. Mm. So I asked the kids, um, what are some that you think would be helpful? And I, it cracked me up because 
adult solutions often don't apply to children. <laughs> so <laughs> children can explain things to each other in a way that they're going to understand. So here's what they came up with. Fly, fly, nothing's perfect. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, where the fly, fly, nothing's perfect. And then the last one was, oh, you can always make a snowball. That was one that they, they remember. Mm, yeah. And then I love this last one. Sparkle, sparkle, you're looking good. <laughs> I would have never, I would have never, you know, making these special cards to, you know, to give to kids with these affirmations, right? Totally. I would have never come up with sparkle, sparkle, you're looking good. But that's going on there, right? Because yeah. that's language. And that was, that was magic to them in that moment. And, and that's, that's awfully fun to get to yeah. see. You know, to facilitate because I've I've made the safe space, I've made the fun mm. space, and then they get to play in it, and mm. and I get to benefit from it, right? Totally. <laughs> like it's it's peer support for me too. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. Um, <laughs> I I would love to ask this question, and I don't. It's not it's not concise, so we're we're okay. gonna meander around it. But like, I would love to spend a little bit time, kind of like zooming in on that like parent fear of like you know i think it's like oh my gosh my kid has a bfrb is this a reflection of me my parenting what did i do wrong and it becomes like this like demonstration right my um yes how much i'm willing to work to fix this problem is like my worth as a parent or it's like this is how i'm going to demonstrate how I'm a good parent is like, look, I've dropped everything. And I'm like, all hands on deck, we're fixing this problem, right? Or Um, if like, if the problem persists, that's because I didn't do enough. Yeah. Or the flip of that is, oh, look, um, you know, my child's my daughter stopped pulling her eyelashes. Good job, mom. Hmm. But then I I don't, you know, my experience with my BFRB is it's very much in waves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can explain to myself or to others why it's decreased, mm-hmm. but sometimes I can't. Same mm-hmm. with an increase. Sometimes it's really clear, like, oh my gosh, I'm going through this super stressful time and it's increased. Other times it's, it's such a mystery. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why did these urges come up? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, it's similar with kids. And and I, I think that one of the fears that I know of is, I'm going to say the name wrong, but what's it when children get, when they eat the hairs, when they ingest the hairs and get yeah, a trichophagia. Yeah, a ball of hair in their belly. So there, you know, there are some actual medical concerns that, you know, skin mm-hmm. infections can happen. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, validating that, like, yeah, you know, there, there can be some, some really challenging consequences um, mm. or results, I guess. But, um, but beyond that, Mm-hmm. You know, it's this is an aesthetic challenge, right? Mm. Like, yes, there, there, maybe there, there's likely some suffering your child's experiencing, and they're trying to alleviate that somehow mm. or some discomfort. Mm-hmm. But all children experience discomfort and manage it in different ways, mm-hmm. and this happens to be a visual way, which I think then brings up maybe other people are judging or. I think they have those visual reminders of the fact mm-hmm. that as parents, we cannot protect our kids from all the things we want to protect them from. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, I don't want to invalidate parents' fears either because I think they have to sit with that, you know, mm-hmm. they get to feel that. Mm-hmm. But I think also trying to bring that hope into the picture and that per- like balancing perspective, you know, right. that 
yes, this is a challenge. And the more, my belief is the more a parent can find their own, what would be the, the opposite of fear, their own calm within mm-hmm. this challenge, then the more they're actually going to be able to support their child. Right. Yeah. But that's hard. That's, that's, that's hard work for mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, um, like how how do you so I mean within your story clubs how much interactions do you have with your with the parents like do you like chat with them one on one do you give them like a parent student meeting you know like yeah. well it's a missing piece right now it's a yeah. missing piece and so so stay tuned okay <laughs> yeah that's um that's my next plan so currently what I do is after clubs I send an email uh-huh. and I. You know, I share the story, I'll share what we folded, I'll send the diagram. And then I always add just a little blip. Like I, like with this club, I, when the kids came up with these spectacular um, cheerleading statements, I shared those with the families. Mm. Um, I have a fair amount of self-disclosure with the, with the parents of my own experience and really validating, you know, Mm. the great work they're doing um, to support their kids. Um, but yeah, there's a huge need for that parent support and education. And so that's, yeah, stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> that's, okay. That's, fair uh, enough. That's in the works. That's in the works. And I, so adding the parent support, um, whether the, I think what it looks like in the future is honestly an origami story club for parents. So we're still yeah. going to do the same things, but mm. also um, the infomercial will be longer. Right. Yes. And then, um, and then the other part is I'm creating recorded parent child activities to um so that the because that's a you know i'm able to interact and have this great experience with the kids my hope is to have that with the parents but then bringing them together Mm. um, so that they can understand each other and um and have some fun together and Mm. learn together yeah yeah that's 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 the next piece of this that i'm that i'm excited about but also i couldn't have started with it because i i really think i needed to for myself, I really needed to sit a lot with the children, the kids perspective, Mm. right? Like that's what I really wanted to, well, that's what I'm drawn to, but it's also, I feel like it's a little harder to, to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to just spend time with these kids, I feel like I can now come to parents with a lot more, um, a lot more of my own sense of these, these kids resilience, like like genuinely, not just philosophically, but I've Mm, seen it. mm. And I think, well, what I imagine is it's difficult to sort of speak to the parents because I think there's this like level of abstraction, like where if you speak to your parent, if if you speak to the parents, the parents are sort of speaking for their kids and they're sort of like, they also don't exactly know the immediacy of the BFRB experience. So they're sort of like, it's almost like the blind leading the blind. Um, yes. In a sense. Um, so I think, yeah, like working with the kids, it's like that direct feedback of like, yes. is this helpful? No, no it's so not easy to make assumptions, right? For all of us, um, mm-hmm. especially as parents, we have, yeah. you know, we can have little storylines built up about why something's happening. Yeah, totally, totally. When, um, one time in a club, I asked the kids, what is something your parents have said or done regarding your BFRB that wasn't helpful? 
Like mm. what's something that's, you know, that they've tried that didn't help you. Mm. And the room lit up. They all, <laughs> they all had something to say. Every single one of them, like kids that also kids that hadn't been talking about it. Suddenly everyone, I'm seeing yes. hands and everyone wants to share. And then, so I, I make a notes, right? I make a notes. And then I, so then I'm like, okay, what would you like your families to do? What would be helpful to you? Crickets. Yeah. They didn't really, they hadn't really, I don't think they'd really thought about it. Mm. And so then we just kind of sat with it. Like, I wonder what might be helpful. And we, you know, Mm. we kind of, I kind of nudged it, right? Like sometimes, um, for example, my husband, if he notices that I'm, you know, I'm kind of scanning my face, then he'll like just put his arm around me and and that Mm. feels really good to me. Or, you know, sometimes I like if, if somebody notices I'm doing that, if they hand me, Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like a, you know, a stuffed animal or a pillow or, and so then you could see them kind of start to open that up. But I think that dynamic, they had a whole list of things that did not, that were not helpful. And, and again, they're also focused on that. Right. And then to help them shift to like, well, what could I ask mm. my parents? Like, could I say, I'd rather you not ask me, tell me, I'd rather you not do anything. Or I'd really like if you handed me a stuffy or. Totally. Yeah. So, um, so that was also a good learning for me, you know, just like, and helping build that capacity for them, you know, to think of like, I don't know, what could I ask? (laughs) Totally. I, that was such a foreign concept for me. Um, but it's only in talking to other people that I start realizing like, Oh, I need to have like a sit down, like conversation with, you know, the Mm. significant people in my life. Uh, like, in a non-triggered state, hey, in the event <laughs> you see me triggered, this is what I, you know, this is your training. This is your like CPR first aid, BFRB yeah. first aid training. Um, what helped you figure that out or what helped? I mean, I guess I'm thinking two things, like the conversation with them, but also knowing what you would want people to do or not well, do. So this is that like helping versus learning together thing. Okay. Like it's like, if you see me in the moment, don't come in thinking you're going to help me about help me, but like, Hey, let's collect some data. Like we need to figure out what's going to work together. And mm-hmm. so that was sort of the preface of that. Like, because yeah. I think a lot of people when they ask like either stop or like, what can I do to help you right now? I don't have the answer. You know, if I knew, trust me, I would tell you, but that right. answer is also not accessible for me. But however, if you're okay not knowing the answer and both of us finding it together, that is like a great space to be like, Jason, do you want to try some like box breathing? Jason, do you want a snack? Jason, is this fidget helpful? Is this fidget helpful? And really? leave space for no, it is not. Yes, um, because that is often there, often it can feel like there really isn't anything right now. Mm-hmm. And thanks for, thanks for trying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you Jason, I want to come back to something you talked about that early on is like really connecting with other people with BFRBs and that have, you know, have experienced mental health challenges and then kind of the struggle of being interested in other people. <laughs> That's my words. But um, I was thinking out after I was at the TLC conference, Yeah, um, some friends came to pick me up and I, mean, I had had this like overwhelmingly positive experience and I was so excited and Mm. and they picked me up and they said like 
oh, what was your training about? And I said, oh, it's, you know, it was for, it was this really cool. It was like for people with BFRBs. And I explained, of course, what that mm -hmm. is. And mm -hmm. also like professionals that help them. And it was so neat. And they just said, oh, mm. <laughs> and I was like, I wanted them. I so bad. I wanted them to be curious. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe they said, oh, that's interesting, but they didn't ask any questions. Right. Oh. And I was so ready to share. And so I think that is the piece with being able to talk to other people with mm. BFRBs. It's like, I know there's, even if people are shy to talk about it, some part mm. of them really is ready to like, to share. I, I think there is sort of this, I mean, almost a fragility in a different sense, you know, we tiptoe around these subjects because we don't have the right language. We're not equipped to discuss yes. it. Right. Uh, I think so quickly conversations deteriorate to like sports and the weather or whatever, just cause yeah. it's so safe. Right. Um, yeah. And having these kind of conversations where potentially you'll offend someone, potentially you'll say the wrong thing, you know, like it's rife it's with little. Comfortable. Totally. Yeah. Um, That's the biggest one for me is like, I don't want to make someone uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, how do you equip people with the right tools, like language asking tools? Um, yeah. And I think that's part of like, in my old job, we had this concept of like managing up. You know how, okay. like, in a bureaucracy, sometimes you, like, you know how to, like, direct and delegate and manage down. But sometimes yeah. there's somebody who has more power than you, but you still, like, you need to, like, control them a little bit. And so it's, like, it's, like, finding the right language to say, hey, I'm going to circle back in two weeks, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I have all these sorts of, like, bureaucratic tools to manage up. Yeah, and that takes that's the other piece is like understanding their worldview, their perspective, mm. what their language is. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of work, you know, yeah. to really be willing to, to get into someone else's shoes, you know, and really try to understand what it's like from their perspective. But then mm. when you, if you can do that, it makes it so much more possible to, mm. to have meaningful yeah. connection and to maybe, <laughs> and to be able to influence things in a way that you, in a positive way. Totally. Yeah. And I think this is where I, I've been learning how to talk about BFRBs with people who don't have BFRBs. And yeah. it's like, how do you draw those connections? Right. It's like, oh, you know, right now I'll say, hey, you know, I pick my skin. It's similar to people who maybe, you know, bite their nails or even like grind their teeth or like, it's also kind of like OCD related. So like, do you know anyone with OCD? And then we start chatting about that, you know, and then we start talking about coping mechanisms. And do you like, you know, when you're stressed, are you like scrolling your phone or like watching too much Netflix? <laughs> oh, let's talk about that. What feelings come up for you when you've just binge watched something for four hours? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Oh my gosh, I feel those <laughs> things too, you know? Um, but like, I needed to have the right like framework and mm -hmm. like, I needed to like present those when people ask like, Oh, Jason, what do you do? And it's like, Oh, I help people with BFRBs comma. It's similar. I don't know if you've ever been stressed out at work. Let's talk, you know? So it's like being able to like breadcrumb that trail. Yep. The other thing, Jason, as you're describing it is it puts them both on the same level, mm. right? Someone's mm -hmm. stress, someone's scrolling on their phone. Isn't less than or more than, Mm. you're scratching your skin right like 
it's taking that power away yeah. from the BFR. You know, it's sort of like, okay, let's normalize or let's kind of balance out how we're looking at totally. it. I'm also curious. I didn't have the term BFRB. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely find, oh, actually, when your film uh, showed in Portland, mm. uh, I saw people on their phones, like Google, you know, looking up BFRB. And so that's been interesting for me. It's really been helpful to have a short term to describe, mm-hmm. like a, you know, a big thing. But then also, same thing, trying to help people understand, like, mm. have, you know, have my little BFRB, you know, like hair pulling or skin yes, picking. Or yes. you know, so I go through my thing and I, I'm, I'm a little tired of hearing myself say it, but yeah, every time it's helping people, you know, building that, that knowledge about it. And so mm. I think that's another thing is, gosh, I sure see you as such an advocate. And that's also a goal for me is just, mm. you know, to be an advocate and an educator, right? To get mm. that out it's not this like random tiny slice of people's experience. Like it's pretty mm, common, right? Mm, like totally. a lot of people like, Oh yeah. Oh, I bite my fingernails. I can't stop. That's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Same, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that really, um, I don't know, just that term has been helpful to me. And I don't know when that came into my world, but that's, yeah, that's, I don't know. That's just been, it's also really validating to me. <laughs> Yeah, to, like to put it together with oh my gosh it's the same as like it's really similar to fingernail biting like that's yeah. that's they're all kind of related so that's been helpful to me also. well something like a powerful tool in my tool kit now in having these conversations again with normies is just <laughs> like I explain and then right off the bat I'll be like do you have any questions about this and I'll let uh, them guide the investigation but it's like very open because i think in the past it was so defensive i'm like ah oh, it's this shameful thing that I, please don't ask me about it and then that's how we teach them okay i'm not going to ask anyone about their skin picking right <laughs> well people come up to me and they're like oh like that's interesting and i'm like yeah do you have any questions about it open invite no bad questions that is brilliant i'm thinking with my friend who picked me up if i had said because I disclosed, so I was like, I was at this conference, it's for these people, you know, I'm a clinician, but I also struggle with skin picking my whole life. And then they said, oh, if I had said, do you have any questions about it? Yeah. That that would have really opened it up. Because my assumption was like, oh, they're not interested. But also, maybe they just don't know how to talk about it, or right. they don't want to make me uncomfortable, yeah. or they... So I like that. I'm definitely, I'm adding that to my <laughs> Um I uh, I have a friend who's, who's Sikh. Um, and so he wears a turban and it's very visible. And, you know, and this is just something that he's lived with his whole life. Um, yeah. He's grown up in like predominantly white spaces. And he is like the most, gen- the gentlest, most patient person I know. Hmm. Because he has been constantly explaining his experience to everyone since, like, he was six, right? Like, people will come up to him off the street, sometimes not, like, the friendliest way, being like, hey, go back to your home country or whatever. And so he has found the right way to, like, well, you know. He will tell me, Jason, he's not an expert at this either, but he, just the sure. fact that he's been practicing it for his whole life has given yeah. him some of these perspectives. And so uh, I don't know if you know, but recently there have been like farmer protests in India. Like, yeah, where, yeah. The government's trying to institute some like anti-farmer laws and stuff. So there's uh-huh. these massive protests. And when it was going on, it was the situation where it's like, ah, like, 
I don't know if I can ask my friend Vic, like, like he would be the expert, but I'm like, I feel, you know, I think there's this sort of idea of like, oh, I'm just so exhausted explaining race to white people or, you know, like there's sort of this idea of like, you need to do your own homework first. But then the fact that no one does the homework, it's like, it's also perpetuating this ignorance. And so, yeah, I'm not saying like you should offload all of your homework and it's not like, say, people of color, it's not their job to educate white people on race. It's not people with BFRBs. It's not their job necessarily to educate normies about mental health. And yet at the same time, there is this balance of like, well, I'm available as a resource to you. So if you have any questions, I would love to answer. Um, And I can speak to my own experience. mm -hmm. Like if you want to ask about my experience with having my BFRB, but like, and if you ask me, like, people with BFRBs, I can share what I, like, my own version, mm. but, like, yeah, like, we can't, like, everyone's experience is so unique, and I think totally. that's that's where that connection is. It's like, what's it like for you? You yeah. know, like, what does this feel like for you? How are mm. you coping with this? Or, mm. you know, what is it like for you? Yeah. And I think that's part of the energy I want to put out there is like, hey, I'm passionate about educating other people about it. it is yeah. I am trying to raise awareness. So you are doing me a favor by asking your questions yeah. in order to like, yeah, like respond to myths, you know, shed some light on some of these things. Um, that's per- That's promoting my end goal. So please ask me about it. But I think people are shy, right? Well, and I think as advocates too, Jason, we like we can speak to a bigger picture hmm. to help a lot of a lot more people understand. Hmm. So that people who are ready to speak about their own personal experience, hopefully it's a little easier. Because hmm. by putting ourselves out there, oh my gosh, I think of so many people like Joyce comes to mind right now, just like she's putting herself out there. And then by doing that, like how many conversations does that make possible? For people that aren't going to put themselves out there ever, but that's yeah. okay. They don't. They don't mm. need to, right? But it's like whatever we can do to, yeah, to make it easier for other people. Uh. And because, and that's my privilege, right? Is that I'm in that place in my life and in myself. Mm. I I love talking about this. Um, mm. And so, yeah. So, what a great opportunity. It makes it makes me actually thank you for this conversation because it really. It makes it a little more clear, like when we first started talking about like being a real clinician or, you know, having uh, street cred, like, oh, I do. I do. You right? do, like, Janet. <laughs> and I think the chance, gosh, you know, just like this chance to talk about it. I mean, I'm just, I'm so excited about what I get to do and I'm excited about future plans and, yeah. and just, again, just getting the word out and, and hopefully my big hope would be that when parents run into this challenge in their families that they can, you know, find relief quickly from totally. their own fears, you oh. know, and, and get the support they need because parents need support too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They have so many questions, but they're afraid to ask. Right. Well, who do they ask? Great question. There's so much misinformation, right? Yeah. That's the other thing you ask someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, you know, but people you trust. I mean, I just, oh, I hear a lot of stories that break Mm. my heart of, you know, well-meaning professionals that just, just don't have the education. Totally. You're going to change. You were changing that though. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, yeah, one like one early interaction that I had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this this story ties in a, a lot of themes that we chatted about today. But like um, when I quit my job as an engineer and I like announced to my you know, company basically being like, Hey, I'm quitting. Here's this PFRB thing. Please ask me about it. And that was where I started learning. Like people wanted to ask questions, but they were shy and I didn't like create the right bridge. And so I finally over talking to so many of my coworkers, I found some of that language. And so one of these uh, fellow engineer, but also a mom came to me and was like, oh, Jason, like, blah, blah, blah. And, and I busted out my new tool being like, hey, blank, like, do you have any questions about it? And they're like, yeah, I yeah. do, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they said, my son actually, like, bites his nails. And like, is that a BFRB? And I'm like, oh. This was at the beginning of my journey. And I'm like, well, this, yeah. it's, you know, this is how I conceptualize it. It sounds like one to me. And she's like, oh, okay. And like, yeah, like, what do I do? Blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, oh, like, okay, well, what's his relationship to it right now? Like, is he ashamed of him biting his nails? And she's like, if anything, I'm trying to shame him more. Like, when I see it at home, I'm like, don't do that. Like, blah, blah, blah. Because she's like, I'm worried. What if he starts biting his nails at school? I don't want other kids to pick on him about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that heartbreak story of like, yo, like, I get it. Ma- like, I understand why, like, the entire line of your thinking, it makes sense to me. However, mm-hmm. asterisk, misguided, you know, like. Wait, wait. Uh, yeah, great intentions, not a helpful um action (laughs) yeah I think um when I do start working more with parents um I'm definitely I think really reaching out to other adults who have been that child you know Mm. that that parent has been so concerned I think that's going to be really helpful to me also because I think there's there's a, a knowledge and a wisdom from you know people who've had that experience of kids and you know just Mm. like but that have made it through and, you know, hopefully even still get to have a relationship with their parents that has moved through that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. That's giving me an idea just to kind of t- to mine that wisdom. Yeah. Cause I think it, the, the younger kids definitely have, they have a lot to say about it, but they haven't gone, you know, they're not at a place where they get to relate to their parents as adults or they're not mm. in their own adult self. So mm. Thank you. That's giving me ideas. Stay, stay tuned. Watch, watch your now. I'm reaching out. Yeah, stay tuned. Oh my gosh, Jen, we could stay all day here chatting about these things. Um, I there's one more question I want to squeeze in if you have okay. time for it. Like, yeah. And again, maybe this is a topic of a whole other podcast because honestly, Go this was one it, of man. the main questions I wanted to ask you. We're only getting to it now. It's like, how do you? <laughs> You, you, I love earlier you said you wear all these different hats, but really it's one big goofy hat. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's clinician, it's peer support, it's, yeah, like someone with lived experience. It's also being a parent. It's also, you know, like how, how has your, like, I don't know if it's like style evolved in incorporating those different elements into Story Club? Oh. I feel like oh, this could make me cry, Jason. 
I feel like if I had known early in my journey that all these different paths would lead to this, mm-hmm. I, like, I just, it's just so cool to me to think of all these challenges and all these blessings and the people that I've been able to connect with and, and how, how it all just like, it all just hit, like, <laughs> this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm made to do and this is what I love to do and and this is what I do that energizes me, continues to energize me, and it continues to inspire me. And I get to keep knowing more new and different people. And I get to keep these relationships that I've built. And it just feels, I, I the biggest word is for me is serendipity. It just feels mm. like it's just kind of all came together. And I couldn't have planned it like this, right? Yeah. Like it's because it hasn't been linear. I mean, it, I actually, I'm just sort of imagining things like sort of, you know, it's like, who is it? The little Valentine's guy who like shoots the yeah, Cupid. Yeah. Imagine like all these like different sort of versions of that, like, pew, 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 and how like, <laughs> and then at one point it was like just the right amount of those. And like, here I am like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And, mm. and I wish like right now, Jason, I wish you could be in my little office with me mm. um, because just everything around me is just like painting that, you know, like yeah. all of the things that are special to me um, and the people I even usually have my two cats and my two dogs in my tiny little under the stairs office. And it, it's just kind of a love fest, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's just so special to me. And I think, I'm not sure what your question was, but I guess just like at the end of the day, I just feel like so fortunate. And mm. and yeah, anyway, I said one goofy hat, but it's also like, it's gorgeous. It's elegant. It's, mm. you know, it's, yeah, like lovable, all those things, right? So mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take any part off of it or away from my experience. Mm. Um and I, I hope the other thing, you know, I always want to bring joy and play, but I also want to continue to bring humility and really staying curious about people's perspectives and, and keeping that compassion that yeah. feels really important to me. Yeah. Um, and I think I can't, I, by continuing to spend time with kids, I feel like that really gets me in that place of compassion for, even for mm. my own experience, you know, mm. just seeing seeing how present they are and willing it's just it's really it's an honor right to get mm. to be to be with that totally oh okay <laughs> thank you so much for that thank you. um thank you. if people out there want are interested in your work want to reach out to you is there what is the best way to do that yeah so my website is origamistoryclub.com and my email is jen at origamistoryclub.com Okay, yeah. amazing. And I, I love getting inquiries. When I do, I always send, um, I have a little video of how to fold a zine and a template that I send with that. So if anybody anybody wants to start to play with that and also just to kind of see my teaching style, um, I, I love getting inquiries. So um, please, yeah, anybody who's interested, reach out. Okay, kids, adults alike, please. Um, yes, thank reach you. out to Jen. Amazing. Okay, thank you, Jen. Um, Thanks, until Jason. next time. All right. Okay, bye. Bye, Jason.